Inner Voice, a heartfelt chat with Dr. Fujian. Break free from the forces holding you back. Get the life you deserve. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, decrease depression, and start living your full potential. Thousands have used Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory, an evidence-based behavioral health breakthrough with incredible life-changing results. Getting rid of past trauma, having fulfilling relationships, increasing earnings, and living their best life. Now, the Fujian app is available to everyone. The app is Dr. Fujian Zane's Awareness Integration Theory in the palm of your hand. Download the Fujian app today. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Inner Voice Podcast, a heartfelt chat with my guests and you beautiful listeners and viewers. I'm Dr. Fujian Zane. I'm a psychotherapist and author and the originator of the awareness integration theory. So great to be with all of you. For all of you who are interested in the awareness integration theory, please go to awarenessintegration.com. You can also go to the app, Fujian app, and you can practice every angle of your life, over 30 areas of your life on uh, Fujian app. And we found this 60% um, fulfillment and satisfaction and improvement in every area of life that people have uh, worked on the app. So Fujian app, go get it. And for all of you who are therapists or coaches across the world, please, we want to train you um, so that you can be also on Fujian app and people can utilize your services in a way that could be totally useful for them in their lives to create a fulfilling life. In this episode, I am so excited that I chat with Janine Kogan, who's a mindfulness meditation teacher and executive consultant. She's earned her PhD, a doctorate in social psychology and has edited two other books and published many articles in the academic journals. She has studied and practiced in the tradition of Thich Nhat Hanh since 1996. She's a member of the Washington Mindfulness Communities Practice Council and received her Dharma name, Loving Peace of the Heart. In 2008, her name reminds her that all she needs to be is at peace and in connection with her own breath. Janine is passionate about teaching meditation to others in the community, at conferences, and in the workplace, as well as weaving it into her professional coaching with her client. A former academic, Janine has edited two books and written more than 20 articles for professional journals. We are also joined by Mary Hillebrand. She's a former magazine editor and a writer and is now the teacher and enjoys teaching mindfulness to high school and adult students and other educators. And they talk about their new book, Tears Become Rain, Stories of Transformation and Healing Inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh. Um, they offer an intimate encounter with the wisdom of the most influential monk and peace activist of the past centuries. Um, Mary's Dharma name is Attentive Listening of the Heart. Reminds her that although she has often been able to impact others by using her voice, stopping to be fully present and listen and can be so powerful. This is an accumulation of so many beautiful authors, people who experience amazing experiences and they share with you what has happened for them, the journey that they've had and who they are today. And every single story shares with you what it can be possible for you when you are with your breath 
when you listen deeply and when you take on the path of really getting to know who you are and the power in you. So you could check out um, www.tearsbecomerain.org. Now, you need to know that all profits from the sale of this book are being donated to Thich Nhat Hanh Foundation. Um, we had an amazing conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. We went through some of the experiences that each one of us have had. And um, and I hope that it was, is, you know, listening to our conversation gives you as much as it gave me. Subscribe to this podcast, my YouTube channel, and connect with me through my website. I love to hear from you. You can go to fujanzain.com if you want to go through the app, fujan.com. Any of the social media, Dr. Fujan Zain, I'm available to talk to you. Share with me your thoughts, and I love to hear from you. So without further ado, here are Janine and Mary. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today. Well, it is so nice to have the two of you with me, Janine Kogan and Mary Hillebrand. It is a beautiful time to share with you about, to share you with my audience, the re, um, people who are watching us, who are listening to us. And you have um, created um, a volume of your experience and other people's experience. And you brought it in this beautiful book, Tears Become Rain. And these are stories of transformation and healing inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh. So first, I wanted to uh, welcome you to the show. And then if, I, if each one of you shares a little bit about who you are and why Thich Nhat Hanh. <laughs> Well, thank you for having us on the show, Fujian. We're really grateful. Um, and so Tears Become Rain is a book that came out of our direct experience, Mary and I. And the idea, both of us, uh, we met each other years ago when we were meditating as part of a community. And this particular community, um, we would listen to talks by Thich Nhat Hanh and read books by Thich Nhat Hanh. And so that's how Mary and I first met. And over time for me, um, his teachings and the community of meditators really around the globe, because he has, there's um, what we call sanghas, which means communities um, all around the world that meditate in this particular tradition and uh, read his books and listen to his teachings. So um, I was wanting to come up with, it was right around the time that he had a stroke. So Thich Nhat Hanh had a stroke a number of years ago. And so he couldn't talk anymore. And I think we were all sort of processing this. Mm -hmm. I know I was. And I thought, I really wanna give back to this community that gave me so much. And how could I do that? And I'm someone who really loves the power of stories and storytelling. My dad was, was 
an Irish roots guy who would tell stories. That was his way of sharing and how you got to know him. And so I thought, well, what if I put together a, you know, something, a book of all these people telling their stories of how Thich Nhat Hanh positively impacted them. And that's when I reached out to Mary, who has great editorial experience, and I'll let you take it from here <laughs> if you want, Mary. Yeah, thank you so much for having us on today, Fujan. Um, Janine and I had, as she said, a nice shared practice already. And so for me, joining the project, once I figured out that, you know, that was the next step on my path, I, it was just such a joy and it, and it was um, not a very difficult decision because what we realized and what we were hoping to harness in the power of the community was that we kind of spoke the same language. And yet it's not a language that that excludes, you know, that somebody else would have a difficult time understanding. But it was basically, you know, this language of mindfulness has been has been spreading and expanding and being reinterpreted, uh, especially in recent years, so much in so many different areas of our lives and, and people's lives. Um, for me in particular in my career, I've been fortunate enough to be able to work mindfulness into uh, my teaching and my work with the patients at the at the job that I'm at now. And so, you know, working on this project was such an easy choice because it was just another way to get those stories, that that commonality that we all have, we all struggle. Um, we all want peace. We all want to be happy. Um, you know, the book, Janine's idea of this book really resonated with me for that reason, because like Janine was saying, she's very much into stories. And I was, um, you know, a writer for a long time. I, you know, as a journalist, I did a lot of storytelling, so to speak. And stories bring people together. That's one of the things that's so important to me and that I try to do in, in my personal life, my professional life, is how can I, how can my presence, but also how can what I bring to the room, how can I bring people together? And in the world today, I don't know how many people are out there who are going to dispute the idea that we all need to come together a little more. So this is a book that can do that. It's beautiful. I know that for myself, um, I'm a therapist, so I deal with a lot of suffering consistently. Maybe sometimes I have 12 to 13 clients per day and sit from one element to another mm -hmm. of, of their suffering and their view of the world and how they view the world that might create the suffering for them. Um, and I remember working with um, at the hospital uh, and almost three years working with people who were um, deciding to terminate their life and how to sit with them while they changed their mind. And, you know, some didn't change their mind. And uh, that brought me for the first time into the world of looking beyond um, psychology, just to look into the brain of a human being and looking at how we thought as went beyond to bring some peace and of mind, some other view something that was there that brought a bigger picture to to all of us. Um, and as I heard you, Janine, you said that I wanted to bring back and give to the community and, um, you know, the spirit that gave me so much. 
Um, and I wanted to ask each one of you, what had that, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh gave you um, in, in the spirit or in your heart? And how did the community, um, as all of you were together and brought so many of the voices and the stories of them together has um, enriched not only you, the community, and now you are extending that richness to the world. Great follow-up question. Um, I would say what it brought me, it also um, is articulated through a number of our contributors in the book, and it would be part three, coming home to ourselves. So we have about five or six re uh, contributors from United States, Vietnam, France, um, and Norway, different um, contributor, those different countries. But so for me, it was really a coming home to myself. And what do I mean by that in terms of lived experience? I was, I had kind of climbed the ladder of success. I had done everything that I had been told from my culture that would bring me happiness. So I had a doctorate, I had a good job, I was doing cool research, I had a condo, I had a cat, you know, I had all these things. And what I noticed was I still, I had this kind of, it was sort of this quiet or low grade, just under the surface, um, kind of a discontentedness, like an uneasiness. And it was subtle enough that I didn't notice it most of the time, but it was there. And when I was alone, it's before cell phones, um, <laughs> I wonder now how many people miss these cues because they've got cell phones to keep them distracted. But anyway, when I was alone is when I would notice it, just sort of this like, not a, I don't, I didn't feel comfortable. Mm -hmm. um, and so I thought I also have a psychology degree and minds in social psychology and I thought there's something else you know what is it and it seemed like it was something spiritual I was seeking so fast forward it's about a year later and I ended up meeting a woman when I moved to Washington DC and um, she introduced me to meditation and to Thich Nhat Hanh and I sat for the first time meaning conscious breathing, you know, I did meditation, breathing in, I feel my in-breath, breathing out, I feel my out-breath. And I was just doing that, noticing the thoughts as they came up, um, not getting caught in them, right? Just coming right back to the breath. And after doing that for whatever, 20 minutes, I had that fundamental sense of oh, like a relief, like an exhale, Ah, oh, this is it. This is what I've been looking for. <laughs> it's been here all along. It wasn't out there. And it was just this sort of relaxing into the moment, relaxing into me, like a fundamental okayness. Mm -hmm. Like I'm okay fundamentally. And this moment is okay as it is. I was actually talking to a person this morning and I said something, what you just said was the experience, which I found myself um, still inspired, motivated, wanting to move forward, but the energy was not around like do, 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 and get, 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 get. And it was this like, ah, 
and 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 it's like just being that and then it just funnels through and it gets created and yes i'm going to do whatever it needs to, to be done in order to get created but the anxiety and that edginess was no longer there mm. it's just what you just said like be and experience the beauty of this which when the time shows up and knowing what I need to do, then effortlessly I will do what I need to do in order to, you know, the result to show up. Um, it was very different where before it was like, let me see the goal, what it is that I need to do. I need to do these things. And, you know, um, I got to, I got to, got to, got to, got to. And that was more of like that tense way of being versus like, like you said, the breath and just being with your breath, which is the most important factor, it seems like if it's not there, you're not going to live. And um, and allow that to happen. This morning, I actually had this experience of constantly like allowing, allowing and allowing. Mm -hmm. Gary? Yeah, it's interesting that you said that because I've been thinking a lot lately about this idea of, for me, um, you know, I'm, I'm a very kind of people oriented person. I've chosen, you know, teaching and therapeutic environments, you know, for that reason, because I want to work with people. Um, but when you asked, you know, what did Thich Nhat Hanh give, you know, or what did he provide for me? I think it turned out to, among other things, be this assurance that I'm not alone, you know, um, at the time that I was learning about Buddhism and I hadn't really, um, you know, learned a lot about the various teachers, but it all sounded like something that really resonated with me. I was, one of the things I was struggling with was that I had grown up in a very committed Catholic heritage and, and, a, and a family that went, went to church and was in all the community activities. I went to Catholic school. I did all the things and even in my young adulthood, I tried to continue that. And I knew when I stopped to listen, you know, being still shows us the way, right? When I finally stopped to listen, I knew that that wasn't feeding me. It wasn't steering me the way I wanted it to. But I also didn't want to lose that, you know, sense of community and support and togetherness. And, you know, Thich Nhat Hanh, really expresses the teachings of the Buddha well when it comes to many things, but certainly for me when it came to the power of community and the importance of, of showing up for your community and the community shows up for you. And he also, the very first book that I read by Thich Nhat Hanh was one called Living Buddha, Living Christ. And the whole point of the book was you don't need to let go of your heritage and you don't need to let go of those things that were positive for you in your other religious practice necessarily in order to learn more and embrace and, and use the teachings of the Buddha. They can go together. And that was very freeing for me. Once I, once I kind of processed that in my head, I just dove right in. I was like, yeah, this is, this is great for me. Um, but the key, and I, gosh, I used it again this morning, 20 something years later, the key is being still shows me the way this morning. I was all frantic before leading a group because I hadn't led this group before. And I was all, you know, ah, like that. And 
And I thought, you know what, whatever else you could be doing right now, don't do it. Just sit, just sit, breathe in, breathe out, and you'll know. And yeah. it sounds so simple. <laughs> it is simple and it's hard. It takes practice, but I'm really grateful for it. You talked about not being alone and um, you guys have put this um, uh, kind of poem in there from um, Thich Nhat Hanh, which is, I hold my face in my two hands. <laughs> no, I'm not crying. I hold my face in my two hands to keep the loneliness warm. That is so beautiful to keep the loneliness warm. Mm -hmm. Hands protecting, two hands nurturing, two hands preventing my soul from leaving me in anger. That is mm. beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, so everyone, tears become rain, stories <laughs> of transformation and healing inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh and edited by Janine Kogan and Mary Hillebrand. So then you went to all of your community members who <laughs> also have been inspired. And each one of them stated their story in a particular way. So can you guys share with us what your friends and colleagues have brought into this uh, onto the table for this book? Mm. Vulnerability. What a gift. And we also we often rightfully probably think of vulnerability as as a scary thing, a risk of, you know, woo, don't be vulnerable, whatever, don't don't show yourself. These authors went to places where they had to revisit some really hard things. And they that is such a beautiful gift for them to say, you know what? I learned something and I really want to give it to the world. So I would say that's that's one of the things that always comes to mind first for me with this book is that these are a bunch of human beings and not even celebrities or famous people. They're, they're everyday people. Um, they come from 16 different countries around the world and all walks of life. They do a lot of different things. And yet all of the stories are accessible. And I think it's because they, they put their honesty in their, and their, you know, heart into sharing what they went through to help other people. And I'll build on that. Uh, I would say this this book is about hope. Mm -hmm. um, it, people are writing about experiences that are hum universal to us as humans. So it's death, it's despair, it's fear, it's um, kind of losing your way, like my story showed. It's... Um, reconciliation with someone in your life that you have fallen out with. Um, and so it's, it's a sense of feeling um, worthy, right? Uh, one woman writes about experiencing brutal racism. <clears throat> so we have a whole range of topics. And what the authors do is they take us kind of on the hero's journey, you know, when they were potentially in their most vulnerable time, like Mary was pulling out and then how they got through it. And now they're on the other side. Um, and so that that's ultimately inspirational. 
Yes. So <laughs> one of the things that I'm uh, sensing is there's a uh, there's a before and after kind of solid difference of experience. And in the middle, um, although each person takes their own path in the middle, but one thing that has been clear is that sitting, being connected to your breath as Janine um, experiences, listening deeply as Mary experiences, and uh, somehow that middle part, the connection has been the meditation and the meditation through the Thich Nhat Hans experience or mm -hmm. uh, sharings or the, the beauty of how he brings all that shows up for him and, and shares it with the world. So each person has a before. And then as they go through this, there's a after or there's a presence mm -hmm. uh, can each one of you not only share what your before and presence mm -hmm. is a bit but also in the middle what really out of all the things that you have experienced um not only through your meditations but also through since and the reason i say this is because obviously i have interviewed with a lot of people who go through meditations i do it myself but the two of you chose to look at it because of the inspiration that was brought by Thich Nhat Hanh. So if you can share with us and the audience, what about Thich Nhat Hanh that has that? How come his words, how come his inspirations in, in between all the other um, inspiring gurus that are out there? Something about what the transformation of his essence and his sharings brought some sort of a transformation for the two of you and your um, colleagues. Mary? Yeah, sure. Um, well, if, if we go in chronological order, right, the before part for me was, um, you know, I was, I was in my early 30s. Um, and I think I'm not unlike a lot of people who try out meditation I was at a place in my life where things just weren't right. I had um, I had left a job because I was completely stressed out and burned out. Um, a relationship ended unexpectedly, you know, because I wasn't paying attention. You know, um, it was the right thing to do, but you know, so there, you know, sometimes we come to these crossroads and we feel kind of adrift, right? Um, and um, Thich Nhat Han kind of has built on this idea that the Buddha originally taught about, you know, using the teachings of, of mindfulness and um, coming back to our breath and being fully present as kind of a raft to get over, you know, to get us to the other side or get us, you know, through the rough parts. Um, and, and that was kind of what I needed. I was reaching for a raft, right? And so, you know, to the question of why Thich Nhat Hanh, what was it about him? Um, you know, and as is, is reflected in these stories in the book, Thich Nhat Hanh didn't make up Buddhism, right? There have been many, many teachers, and there are many, many different traditions and many different ways of practicing and learning about and studying and, and teaching it. But his way is very simple um you know without 
even beginning to suggest that it's not hard and it actually and he acknowledges that it's there there are a lot of things that that go on to make it seem complicated but his way of using the language uh made it very accessible he quite often teaches in his own books and in his own talks um he teaches in terms of short stories as well which is why janine's idea of a book of short stories was so brilliant because we knew one of the reasons why it worked so well for each of us individually was that you don't need to study, you know, a big thick tome, you know, or study for a certain amount of time before you get to experience or begin to glimpse that there's hope for you. You know, Thich Nhat Hanh talks in, in, you know, very um, short vignettes. And that's what we wanted from our authors. We asked them to keep it short. Each of these could easily be expanded into pretty, you know, compelling longer stories. But, you know, he he simplified it. He made it accessible to me. And the other thing that really solidified it for me anyway, was just his his own presence, his own example. When someone tells me, be calm, but they're not calm, right? Um, you know, we often take the energy in as much as we take the words in. And so just being around Thai, as we often call him, it just means beloved teacher in Vietnamese, being around Thai automatically calmed me before I even heard him speak a word. And several of our authors write about that too. And it's not to say, okay, so sorry for all of you who are reading the book now, you don't get to do that because he's not around in his body anymore. That's not true because all of us can be that. And that's what I'm really happy about in terms of the progress that I feel like I've made in terms of understanding this and making it a part of my life is that Every day at different times of the day, I remember that how I enter a room, how I am with the people around me has a huge impact. And it's because of his example. Mm -hmm. So today, um, you know, I, I work as a teacher. I work in an environment where there are every single person I'm working with has been through tremendous suffering and has had really difficult things that they've had to deal with and are still dealing with. And I get to be Thai, you know, I get to, I get to show up as him. Um, as one of our authors writes, Vicki MacArthur's story is called Thai in Disguise, right? Because she, she wrote actually about having to kind of come to terms with the fact that he was not going to be here in body anymore. And gosh, what does that mean? Like, where's he going to be? What's, you know, what are we going to do? And, and Thai said, but, but we are all, interconnected we you know interbeing right is this idea that we carry each other with us and so she wrote her story about going around being Thai at a retreat where he he wasn't there um and I think about that a lot that I can be Thai um where I am now beautiful Janine uh I would say what resonated with me so much with Thich Nhat Hanh was his emphasis on joy. So it was, I, I found this, these teachings in my early thirties as well. And, um, I needed that seed in me to be watered the seed of joy. And he talks about how, when you water your seeds of joy, 
two wonderful things happen. One is you feel joy, right? And we all, and who doesn't want more of that in their lives? We all could use that. But secondly, the more I water my seeds of joy, it it's like making a fertile ground for me to be able to hold the suffering. And I think at the time I couldn't go to sort of the harder places in myself yet. My, you know, experiences that probably bring people to therapists like you, <laughs> right? Um, because it was, I couldn't go there yet, right? So by watering my seeds of joy over time, and I would say years, <laughs> I, um, I was able to, you know, now I'm able to go to those more difficult places. And I don't get overwhelmed. Because what when we strengthen our joy, we strengthen ourselves, and then we can hold things. You know, we can hold it all with um, more wisdom and more capacity, you know? Um, as you guys were talking, um, it showed up for me as I remember I could coming from a very traumatic childhood. And then my conversation was, um, I have to fix it, you know? So mm -hmm. it was about fixing it. Mm -hmm. And even when I became a therapist, it was like, I was going to find the tools to fix it. <laughs> Anybody who wanted to be fixed, then we're going to fix it. And more and more, it's come that what you just said about the suffering is, for a long time, I thought suffering was bad. Right. And it was more like I hold, mm -hmm. I held like this negative um, connotation around it, you know, that as soon as possible, we were going to go in war with suffering and we were going to get <laughs> out of suffering, force you into the joy. And mm -hmm. a lot more has shown up about, you know, some people, including myself. I had to go through that suffering to create so much inner power mm. and suffering is suffering and it is what it is. And like you said about how to hold it and honor it. Um, and it has changed a lot for me to have a different view of suffering, to be able to honor it. And from, like you said, from the joy, from the comfort from the deep listening that Mary shared. Um, and it's interesting that when we are honoring it, whether it's my own or now my clients or other people who are around me, sometimes people choose to stay in the suffering because that's all they know. And mm -hmm. even in that gives them the comfort and some people choose to let it go and allow it to be, or they get comfortable with it, or they choose to let it go and never, you know, never have the suffering again. But it has become more and more of um, this acceptance of all is well. And I think yeah. there's sort of a third aspect to that, too, which is some people aren't necessarily choosing it, but their habit energy is so strong um, and it's built up over many years and and many messages that we get from the society we live in that by a certain perhaps by a certain age, we should have X, Y, and Z, you know, and that would mean that we've made it or that we, we'll be free from suffering or, you know, we, we get these kind of um, these messages that, that set us up 
And if we if we really have been striving for a long time based on that messaging, then it's really hard to undo the habits. Um, especially, I think a, a really powerful example of this is as we age, our bodies are of the nature to decline, right? They before before we die, our bodies are already in the process of dying, right? Every moment, um, and we can cling to this idea that hey, I'm I'm whatever age I am, I should still be able to do this. Like that doesn't seem old enough that I can't do this anymore. That's when we suffer. But when we recognize that this is a natural part of the process and, you know, I think, I think another aspect of that that causes us to suffer is wanting this assurance that I'm, it's not always going to be like this. And one thing that I learned from this practice is to, and I'm not for a second going to say that I'm great at it and that I've got it all the time, but at least I'm remembering it, right? Which is learning to be okay with not knowing whether I'm going to be okay. Right. Mm -hmm. Like take that in for a second, mm -hmm. you know, being okay with not knowing, then the suffering can subside a little bit. Right. Like, and being okay with not knowing comes down to being in the present moment. Right. What I do know is right here and right mm -hmm. now. And as Janine said, joy, we all want joy. Well, I can find joy in the present moment if I've, if I look for it and this practice and the process of watering those seeds within me, making myself available to joy can make it much more accessible and I can do it more often. And now I do it a lot and I used to just suffer a lot, right? But a lot of that suffering was based on this notion I had that, well, if I can just get to whatever point, then I'll I'll know that I'm going to be okay. You know, right now it's feeling rocky. It's feeling uncomfortable or I'm all torn up inside or whatever, or my loved one is. But if we can get to this point, then it'll be okay. And I can relax. Well, I don't know that my loved ones are going to be okay either. I want them to be, but I think that the way for them to be okay is to be present when we're all present together. We've all probably hopefully had some of those moments where we're all together and we just look around at each other and kind of like laugh and enjoy that moment of like, look how, look how we are right now. Right. That's, that's the key for me. Beautiful. Just, yeah. Thank you. Just wanted to add, I think what's so important is for us to, to just kind of accept and know it's true of every human on the planet that there'll be joy and there'll be suffering. There'll be both. Right. And the more that we can relax into that, the better we'll be. Like, I think uh, in a lot of religious traditions or just growing up in at least American culture, it's, you're always trying to avoid what's uncomfortable, right. Or avoid the suffering. And if you have it often, one of the first thoughts is, what did I do to deserve this? Well, you were born, you're a human. We all, you know, you don't deserve it. It's just, mm -hmm. it's just part of the human condition. And that for me was a real game changer. Mm -hmm. And I realized, oh, we all have ups and downs. No, but nothing's wrong when I have a down, right? That's like beating yourself up when you're already having some sort of challenging time in your life or difficult emotion. But it, there's no, you know, we, it's kind of like 
not making the distinction between good and bad. It's just, it just mm-hmm. is like Mary's saying. And mm-hmm. so just being with what is and tr- instead of rejecting it. Or... Yeah. Every time I go into this mode um, and it's, I got it that it's not, you know, just being human, but, you know, imagine that we were still living as one of these animals in the wild, that every morning as you woke up, you had the only thing you had to know is whether I was going to be eaten or not and what <laughs> I was going to eat. And, um suffering you know with everything around it was just part of every it it is a part of everyday concept but i think that as human beings we think it shouldn't be right Mm -hmm. tears become rain stories of transformation and healing inspired by Thich Nhat Hanh edited by Janine Kogan and Mary Hillebrand we have um about a minute or so for each of you to um, to kind of see what is it we haven't shared and you really, really want people to know. I, if I could just jump in, um, I got a text from somebody this morning that said, Mary. I think she froze. <laughs> oh, no, I'm so <laughs> anticipating. Yeah. And <laughs> I, guess, I guess I guess you're two. gonna share with us. Oh, there she is. <laughs> oh, there she is. Oh, <laughs> I don't know what happened. My zoom just like stopped and then it well, we're all we're all waiting Sorry to hear that. what I know. And pins and needles. Yeah. <laughs> so well the text was someone who was from someone who has the book that I gave the book to them. And they said, I'm still working my way through your book. And it's, it's a lot to take in. And I'm, you know, I've, it's going pretty slowly. It sounded like sort of, you know, of course, I'm reading the tone in a text. So who knows, but it sort of sounded like with consternation, you know, and it said, you know, I, I don't know how I'm, how people can just keep, keep going in this book and keep you know, and, and take it all in because it's so much. And I thought to myself, well, it's short stories. <laughs> That's the whole reason why is because if somebody asked me how to read this book, if they're not sure themselves, you know, lots of people approach books the way they do, right? But if they asked me how to read this book, I would say, open it up, maybe look at the table of contents. If you want to see the different themes, maybe one of those themes will resonate with how you're feeling in that moment, right? Because hopefully you've stopped and you've looked for a second at yourself, like, okay, here I am, you know, and I want to read this book, you know, so look in there, read one story and put it down. You know, I I don't see it as a like, cover to cover experience you know there are some books where i just cannot i have to start at the beginning and i got to keep going because it's that kind of a great story whatever no the whole point of this is it's like little um in the in the practice of of buddhism there's this word dharma which just means you know learning about the practice learning about the teachings of the buddha these are each little dharma talks and they're capsules by themselves and what i love about this book janine's heard me say this a million times now but Every single day, something will happen in my day that reminds me of one of those stories, one of the things that I learned in this story. Um, I've read the book 50 times now, probably, 
And I will still go back and read the stories because at different times in our lives, every moment is new. So at different times in our lives, something in there that we read before that had one impact will have another impact. And, and that's what I what I love about the book and what I love about it as a gift to people is that it's it's a resource that will live on for a long time in yep. that way. Thank you, Janine. I would say um, what I want your readers or your listeners to, to hear is that when you can get through a difficult experience in your life well, it gives you confidence. And that's what this story, this book is all about. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for taking the time to be with me and uh, everyone who's listening or viewing us. And um, the book is available, right? And in Amazon and everywhere else that people want to get the book from. And um, thank you. Thank you for being with us. Thank you. Thank you very much for having us. It was really nice. And for all of you who are out there, create an amazing life for yourself, everyone around you. And until next week, bye-bye. Eliminate stress, reduce anxiety, and decrease depression. Dr. Fujian Zane's awareness integration theory has helped thousands like you get incredible life-changing results. The Fujian app gives you her evidence-based treatment in the palm of your hand. Download today.